When the rules of society are broken, things can get a little wild. This is Wild Society. a special poem to begin our last episode <clears throat> Twas the night before christmas someday love will find you break those chains that bind you <laughs> one night <laughs> we'll remind you how we touched and went our separate ways courtney's crying <laughs> i did not read that rhymes. journey wrote that many years ago thanks journey chad i'm chad i'm courtney <laughs> I'm Crying. Jordan. I'm Bethany. Welcome to the final episode of our beloved Wild Society. Courtney's crying and fanning her face. Yeah. I almost didn't wear I, <laughs> mascara because I knew you were going to cry. It was going to make me want to cry, but I wore mascara I think anyway. Just so hearing the song. Oh my <laughs> like, God. <hit> <laughs> Guys, I'm also like a couple glasses of wine in because I wasn't going to be able to do this without it. Well, tell them how far apart this your fingers This is so were. relatable. <laughs> Tell them how far apart your fingers were when you described how big the glasses of wine were. <laughs> At least, At least six inches? Five, six inches. And how? what percent of alcohol were in those glasses? Ten percent. <laughs> My mother will be proud. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are so sad and, you know, hopeful for the future and all the next endeavors we do. But we have loved this last year of creating this podcast and doing it together as besties forever. Like, so excited for the boys or whatever. 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 We want to dedicate this last episode to all of our listeners and our family and people who have sent us stories. Yeah. And we want to do a special dedication to our friend Jennifer. Yeah. She brought us cookies. The cutest cookies. To our live show. She's been an OG fan. Yes. They had, like, our logos and, like, the sayings. um, Yeah, for story. story. Her mother mother passed away recently, and she sent me this sweet message uh last week and she said hey i just want to let you know i'm so sad you'll be leaving but so excited for you mama and i would listen to y'all each week and y'all would crack us up and i thought that was so sweet so this episode is dedicated to jennifer and her mom yeah yeah and thanks to everyone just like reaching out and being like oh we're gonna miss you and stuff like sad yes but like thanks for loving us yes we love you all tremendously and it's been a blast and you know not everybody we don't know who all these people are (laughs) most of them probably if you're a murderer out there yeah we don't like you no you're out you're out but i really want to know your story so feel free to email me at (laughs) still send us your story story ideas (laughs) (laughs) no but i i'm sure we'll you know when we get together in the future maybe we'll do a little reunion episodes or just silly little one-offs so stay subscribed and follow all of our stuff it'll be a surprise in the future i think we should occasionally get really drunk put on the record (laughs) Yeah. And then just occasionally push out messages. So keep your subscription. Yeah. Keep it out. On. Keep it out. And it's going to be like 30 minutes of us drunk talking. <laughs> and that's yeah. what it's going to be. Late night rambles. I'll smoke some marijuana. Y'all can drink some liquor. And- I really <laughs> hoped you were going to be high. I wanted you to be so stoned at this last episode. No, I want to remember it. <laughs> well, at least Courtney should. I don't. Drunk. <laughs>
What were some of your your all's favorite episodes? I put a little list down. I cheated and prepared. <laughs> the one I was most nervous about doing was the Tulsa Race Massacre mm-hmm. for sure. Oh, yeah. But if I'm so happy we did it and it's out there because we've gotten lots of feedback and people like, I never knew that you know, story or that part of history. So The planes stick with me on that one. Oh, yeah. Big time. I think my favorite is um, my very first one ever, the uh, Australian cannibal lady. Remember? I thought Manly oh, yeah, was your yeah, favorite yeah. one. Oh, well, my first murder. Oh, well, I was like, where the hell? Was I there for that one? <laughs> Catherine. Catherine. Knight. Guys, it was so long ago. It was. It was more than a year ago. I don't know what my favorite episode was. Well, I have a list I've written down. Some of my favorite episodes. The ones that I enjoyed the kind of researching the most were the Atlanta child murders because I didn't know really much about it mm-hmm. and how sort of some of the survive or the families of the victims don't really believe that um, the person they kind of pegged it on is the one who committed it. But my favorite wild story was Nub City, Florida. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was a good Nub one. City. But the ones that you all did stick with me, the fairy story, mm-hmm. Mothman, because <laughs> hey! I always assumed Mothman was like this bad person, but May have actually been a good yeah, moth person. Never knew. A mothman. Um, the Shanti story was freaks me out. Oh, yeah. Oh, Shanti Debbie. Yeah. 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 The Erickson the twins lives. with the folly. Oh, yeah. That's a wild one. <gasps> that, That's one. that one was crazy. The yeah. Cecil Hotel, because there was oh, a lot yeah. of stuff in there I didn't know. That was know. a good one. And of course, our pride, live pride. Yeah, that was yeah. super That was fun. a blast. Something that I don't think any of us will ever forget. No, no. never. Except for Jordan, because he was, he was. <laughs> He, he was Xanax He was feeling himself. So he, he may have <laughs> forgot some of that. I loved the Brittany Murphy episode. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I liked yeah. doing that one a lot. What was the one that made me, like, the very first one that made me cry? Oh, man. Wasn't that the house in NOLA? A Lollary? Yes. Was it that one or was it the Oklahoma City Butcher? Ooh. It might have no. been. That one was really gory. I don't remember the first I one. Think I think it was Lori. Lori, because I think that was paranormal. Yeah. Paranormal stuff. I mean, like, I didn't like it, but I liked it because I didn't like it. Courtney <laughs> cried at Casper. <laughs> and all the ones, of course, Courtney would say things that were wrong pronunciations, were <laughs> oh, yeah. Beezlebub. The cult one she did was the Later Day Saints. The Later Day Saints. The Order Later cult. Days, guys. That was yeah. a funny Later episode. Days. That was good. <laughs> And then, yeah, Beezlebub, that was Son of Sam. Yes. Beezlebub. <laughs> the Lala Ree episode where the name. Oh, yeah. Brigida. 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 And I was like, wait, Burrito. No. What is. <laughs> I really uh, love doing the Osage episode, yeah. too. I love yes. That I love that, that we went well on a little yeah. trip. And we went yeah, out there. That was so well done. Saw the spots. That was really cool. I still tell people to this day, like literally last week, I told someone to go look up that episode because we had yeah. been talking about something and I was like, oh my God, if you've never heard of this, you need to go <laughs> listen to our episode. Well, and your I research, think- Bethany, is going to ruin the movie because I'm going to sit there and be like, that's not what happened with my arms folded <laughs> being that accurate. one guy. Yeah. I, I probably will be that one person yes. in the room like that. So I was just in Nashville and I was in this little shop. It was super cute. And I saw these and I was like, oh my gosh, I have to get them. So I brought a little surprise. There's gifts. Oh, stop. Oh my God. Gifts. What are they? Trading cards? <gasps> yes. True oh, crime. Stop. Yep. True crime trading cards. Shut up. It says on open them. I don't know what's in them. It says G-men, mass murderers, serial killers, gangsters. Gangsters. Oh my God. How cute. I've never seen anything like this before. What am I doing right now? ASMR. Someone's getting off to this sound. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. 
Okay, I can't. Wait, I don't want to open mine. Can I keep mine forever can, sealed? Yeah, that's fine. I'm going to keep mine forever sealed. Oh, forever. Well, that's boring as fuck. Forever. <laughs> is there a bubble gum in it? Like, Way to play it safe. I don't think so. Who'd you get? Who'd you get? John Taylor. I don't know him. I don't know him. <laughs> I'm going to keep mine sealed. You can keep it sealed. Do whatever you want. Willie Sutton. Ooh, they're, they're like little like paintings. paintings. Yeah. <laughs> Lana cool. Turner and Cheryl Crane. Lana, Cheryl Crow? Good band. It looks <laughs> like a band. Lana Turner is a famous old Hollywood actress. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And her daughter killed her mobster boyfriend oh, yeah. in defense. I don't know any of these. I love Lana Del Rey. <laughs> There's pictures the on the Kafara other side. bloodbath. Whoa, I don't know that one. Kidnapping of Jake Guzik. That was Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> Parker and Holm. Gary Christ. We that could have used familiar. these for um, story ideas. Seriously. I know. Yeah. I Henry know. Landrew. Nice mustache. Well, maybe we can use them for our pop-up episodes. We'll just draw a card and be drunk and we have smoke to be in. Drunk. And there we go. Gerard Wild Vito Society Cantina. colon pop-up episode. Pop-ups. Pop-ups. <laughs> I'm keeping mine sealed. They're so fun. Yeah, keep it sealed. Do what you want. I just thought I couldn't resist, and it's just a little something funny to remember our Thank podcast you. days uh, by. I have four women, which is cool. Oh, I didn't have any women. <laughs> Oh, wait, no. Courtney got the badass women. Well, that's a women. Wait, these are vintage. That's a women. Oh, yeah, I did get Lana and She goes, well, that's a women. That's a woman. That's a woman. These are from 1992. Are they really? So yeah. you were what, two? Wow. I was one. Oh, oh my God. That's, <laughs> that's hilarious. I didn't know they were. They are from 1992. That's a woman. Wow. Almost these are vintage. Old. They are vintage. Which women do you have? I have Liz Renee. Okay. Anna Genova. Genovese? I don't know. Genovese? Genovia. Genovia. Dorothea Puente. And Belle Gunness. Oh, whoa. That's a big one. Thank you, Bethany. That is so Yes, I love you guys. Sorry, guys. I didn't bring you a gift. I just brought you myself. Before we get into our stories this week, please head over to our website, wildsocietypodcast.com, to see pictures from today's episode. I have the wild story this week. The no. very last. No, you don't. I'm just kidding. I have the murder <laughs> story this week. The murder case. Murder case this week. Just leave that in there. That's just leave it in. Murder Courtney, case, wild sorry. story. Literally. <laughs> I have the murder case this week, and it's wild. And it's a wild. I'll start off with this quote. To have killed more people, helpless people, than any other man or woman who ever lived was the quoted ambition of Jane Tapan, otherwise known as Jolly Jane. Which is ironic since this is a sad time because it's our last episode. I'm doing Jolly Jane. Are you trying to make Courtney cry again? (laughs) I'm not going to cry anymore. Okay, Taylor Swift. (laughs) And honestly, I don't know if it's Tapan or Topan, but I, I, think, I it's think it's Tapan. Tampon. Tampon. Jane Tampon was born. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here it goes. Jane Tapan was born Honora Kelly on March 31st, 1854, and was the daughter of Irish immigrants Bridget Kelly and Peter Kelly. Bridget Kelly died of tuberculosis when Honora was one year old, and her father was well-known as an eccentric and an abusive alcoholic. He was nicknamed by those who knew him closely as Kelly the Crack, as in, like, Crackpot. Crackpot was around <laughs> back then? 
Yes, so. Oh, shit. Look at this. Kelly the Craig just walked in. Kelly the Craig. <laughs> <laughs> crack is whack. In his later years, Peter became the source of many rumors running around the local scene concerning his supposed insanity. The most popular one being that his madness finally drove him to saw to saw to sew his own eyelids closed while Ooh. working as a tailor. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I've done that a couple of times. I've what just happened? Oh my gosh! How do you he, do that to uh, yourself? It's easy. You get a couple um, pieces of yarn, bite down on a leather belt. Oh my god, <laughs> yarn's a little thick. Let's go for something like <sighs> some silk string. Or just something. drink a whole bottle of whiskey, get a leather belt, oh bite gosh. down on it, some crack. Yep. Yeah, that's what it was. He was on crack. He couldn't <laughs> there, feel it. There it is. Crack there, and pot. The origin story right there. Oh, god. oh no. In 1860, only a few years after his wife's death, Peter Kelly took his two youngest children. Eight-year-old Delia Josephine and six-year-old Honora to the Boston Female Asylum, an orphanage for female children. He surrendered. Surrendered. He surrendered the God. two girls, never to see them again. He oh, Susan wow. surrendered them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Documents from the asylum note that they were quote rescued from a miserable home. Hmm. I mean, nope. I, yeah. yeah. This sounds pretty miserable. I mean, if your dad's sewing his eyes yeah. shut, might be yarn. better. Yeah. Like a crazy <laughs> person with his yarn. <laughs> no records exist of Delia and Honora's experiences during their time in the asylum. Hmm. But reportedly, Delia became a sex worker while oh, wow. their older sister, Nellie, who was not committed at the time the other two were, was committed to an insane asylum. In November 1862, less than two years after being abandoned by her father, Honora Kelly was placed as an indentured servant in the home of Miss Anne C. Tapan of Lowell, Massachusetts. So back then, because I guess it wasn't a great thing to be like an Irish immigrant or if yeah. you had Irish in your blood back then, it just wasn't a great thing. Mm -hmm. So they passed her off as an Italian girl whose parents died at sea mm. to all their friends because they were embarrassed. Is that what you guys tell your friends about me? Oh, you're not Italian? <laughs> oh, get the fuck out. <laughs> they also started calling her Jane. Though she was never formally adopted by the Tapan family, Honora took on their last name and eventually became known as Tapan. The original Tapan family already had a daughter, Elizabeth, with whom Jane was on good terms. So basically, they became like her foster family. Okay. She did apparently very well at school, but started displaying signs of being a sociopath and told crazy lies like her father was sailing around the world or her sister had married an English nobleman. And apparently that her brother was like this big awarded soldier, got awarded all these medals by Abraham Lincoln for the Battle of Gettysburg. Well, did he? No, she didn't even have a brother. Oh. How do you know? <laughs> <laughs> At 18, Jane Tapan graduated from Lowell High School. The Tapans freed Jane from her indentured <laughs> servitude, thanks, and gave her $50, but stayed in the household as a servant anyway. When Anne Tapan died, Elizabeth took over the house and continued to treat Jane as a servant, though she was more kind than her mother was. Elizabeth married a church deacon, Ormel Brigham, who moved into the Tapan house but something caused Jane to move out of the house that she had lived in for 20 years when it was probably like a dispute or something like that. Mm -hmm. In 1885, Jane began training to be a nurse at Cambridge Hospital. 
Unlike her early years where she was described as brilliant, but also terrible at the hospital, she was well liked. She's brilliant, but terrible. Terrible. (laughs) (laughs) At the hospital, she was well liked. That's the worst recommendation letter of all time. I know. That's that's great. She's always on time, but late. (laughs) Yeah. At the hospital, she was well-liked, bright, and friendly, earning her the nickname Jolly Jane. Ugh, yuck. Wait, doesn't, didn't someone do a story? You were like giggling Nancy. And no, she was that was Courtney. That was horrible. That was the, the giggling, giggling granny. granny. What's up with granny? these people? I know. <laughs> these nicknames. Kind of reminds me of that a little. <laughs> Once she became close with the patients, she picked her favorite ones. The patients were normally elderly and very sick. This is when everything turns to shite. (laughs) During her residency, she used her patients as guinea pigs in experiments with morphine and atrophine. She altered their prescribed dosages to see what it did to their nervous systems. Oh, my goodness. She spent considerable time alone with patients, making up fake charts and medicating them to drift in and out of consciousness and even getting into bed with them. Meaning a lot like having sex with them. She would, while they were sick lay in bed with them. It was very weird. Mm. Yeah. That's a no. Yeah. Like, give me a stuffed teddy bear. Yeah. In 1889, Jane was recommended to the Massachusetts General Hospital, which was then a prestigious hospital. It was here that she claimed several more victims before being fired the following year. She briefly returned to Cambridge, but was soon dismissed for administering opiates recklessly. She then began a career as a private nurse and did well despite complaints of petty theft. Hmm. Jane began a poisoning spree in 1895 by killing her landlord, Israel Dunham, and his wife. In 1899, she killed her foster sister, Elizabeth, with a dose of strychnine and was later reported to have said, quote, I held her in my arms and watched the delight as she gasped her life out. Whoa. Okay. Some people are into cards. Other people are into <laughs> air gasping. It's air fine. gasping. And I had read that killing was actually because she wanted Elizabeth's husband for herself. So oh. she apparently Ooh. she poisoned Elizabeth and then she also poisoned her husband, but not enough to kill him, just make Ooh. him sick so she could nurse him. Oh. Anyway, she thought by nursing him that it would make him fall in love with her, but it didn't. He couldn't stand her and had one, didn't want anything to do with her. In 1901, she moved in with the elderly Alden Davis and his family in Cotumet, Massachusetts, to take care of him after the death of his wife, Maddie, whom she also poisoned. Jeez. Within weeks, she killed Alden, his sister Edna, and two of his daughters, Minnie and Genevieve. She wiped out their entire family. In two weeks? Yeah. Wow. Their surviving members of the Davis family ordered a toxicology exam on Alden, Davis's youngest daughter, Minnie. The report found that she had been poisoned and local authorities assigned a detective to follow Jane and watch her. On October 29, 1901, she was arrested for murder. During the trial, she was reported to have felt zero remorse and was quoted as saying, No, I have absolutely no remorse. I never have felt sorry for what I've done. Even when I poisoned my dearest friends, as the Davises were, I did not feel any regret afterwards. Jeez. I have thought it all over, and I cannot detect the slightest bit of sorrow over what I've done. Soon after the trial, the New York Journal printed what was reported to be her confession to her lawyer. 
claiming that she had killed more than 31 people, wow. although it was possible to be upwards of 100. Whoa. She wanted the jury to find her sane so she could eventually have a chance at being released. Hmm. Jane insisted upon her own sanity in court, claiming that she could not have been insane if she knew what she was doing and knew that it was wrong. Yep. That's but weird. nonetheless, she was declared insane and really? was committed. Oh, wow. On June 23rd, in the Barnstable County Courthouse, she was found not guilty by reason of insanity and committed for life in the Taunton Insane Hospital. She continued to display murderous tendencies while at the asylum. Oh, wow. Asylum attendants said they remembered Jane trying to egg them on to kill with her. Oh. She would be witnessed as saying, quote, get some morphine, dearie, and we'll go out in the ward. You and I will have a lot of fun seeing them die. Oh, my gosh. I yeah. mean, I would friend her. She's great. <laughs> I mean, that's a good strategy. You want her on your side, yeah, yeah. I guess. You don't want to be your enemy. <laughs> An article in the Hoosier State Chronicles, published shortly after her arrest, reported that she would, quote, fondle her victims as they died Ew. and attempt to see the inner workings of their souls through their eyes. That would be terrifying. What would you? What did you say it was called? The what? The Hoosier State Chronicles. Is it H-O-O? Hoosier. 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 <laughs> Hoosier. Is it H-O-O-S-I-E-R? Hoosier. Hoosier. Yeah. The Hoosier Dam. I've been there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait. (laughs) Hoosier Dam. (laughs) Under questioning, she stated she derived a sexual thrill from patients being near death, coming back to life, and then dying again. Oh, God. She administered a drug mixture to the patients she chose as her victims, lay with them, and hold them close as they died. Jane is often considered, quote, an angel of mercy, a type of serial killer who takes on a caretaker role and attacks the vulnerable and dependent, though she also murdered for seemingly more personal reasons, such as the case of the Davis family. Yeah. It is possible she was also motivated by jealousy in the case of her foster sister, Elizabeth. She later described her motivation as, quote, a paralysis of thought and reason, a strong urge to poison. Hmm. Jane used poison for more than just murder, reportedly poisoning a housekeeper just enough so that she appeared drunk in order to steal her job and kill the family. <gasps> wow. Yeah. Jeez, she thought it through. She even poisoned herself to evoke the sympathy of men who wanted to date her or oh, back then it was you courted her. Yeah. Jane was jolly all the way up until her death on October 29th, 1938. At the age of 84. Oh, she lived a long time. She did. The last murder case. Wild. The last murder case. I'm unjolly about it. <laughs> Keep it jolly. Let's move on. <laughs> Are you ready? ready? For the last, for now, <laughs> wild story. Let's do it. For Wild Society. Wait for a story. Yeah. This is a story of Violet Jessup, the unsinkable woman. Oh, that Jessup Bell. <laughs> and Jordan knows the story, but I don't think Bethany and Chad does. Violet Constance Jessup was born in 1887 in Argentina to Irish immigrant parents. She was one of nine siblings, but only one of three that would survive. Violet contracted tuberculosis at a young age, and the doctors told her parents that she was not going to live for longer than a few months. Much to everyone's surprise, Violet recovered from the illness and went on to live a very long life. When Violet was 15 years old, her father passed away, prompting her mother to move the family to England. Her mother went to work as a stewardess, and Violet attended convent school. At age 21, her mother became ill and was no longer able to work and help support the family. 
Being the oldest sibling, Violet decided to follow in her mother's footsteps and become a stewardess. Violet was unusually young to be applying to be a stewardess. Most were middle-aged. The employers at her first few interviews were concerned that she was too young and beautiful and would, and would distract the passengers. So she decided to dress down and make herself look frumpy for the rest of the interviews. I still get that a She's lot. She's very people, pretty. People think I'm young and too beautiful <laughs> for my job. Her tactic worked, and she landed her first job at Royal Mail Line. She continued to look for job opportunities and decided to apply for a job with the White Star, a prominent shipping company that was known for having difficult passengers on their ships. She first began working on White Star Line ship Majestic, but soon switched to working on the RMS Olympic, which was the largest civilian liner in the world at the time. She worked 17-hour shifts and made about Dang. yeah, and made about $12 a month. Ew, <sighs> no. It's approximately $232 in today's money. Whoa. That's why I pay Jordan month. to be married to me. $12 a month. It's lunch money. You get $12 to spend on whatever you want. No, but for real, how much was it to what? 200, 200, about $232 for a whole month, for a whole month in today's money. Yes. And she was working 17 hour shifts. Damn. That's like my DoorDash bill for a week. <laughs> for a day. Some, if we get cheesecake at night. If we get cheesecake. <laughs> On September 20th, 1911, the RMS Olympic was on its fifth journey across the Atlantic Ocean when it collided with the HMS Hawk. Both ships had extensive damage from the crash, but were able to drop off passengers at the nearby Osborne Bay. Still a scary experience for the crew and passengers. It took two weeks to repair the Olympic and was immediately set back out on the water because White Star Line did not want the reputation to like go bad or anything. So they were like, get the ship Fixed, get it back on the water. Violet loved her job on the Olympic and returned to work at sea, but was quickly persuaded by friends to work on the new ship of dreams, mm -hmm. the Titanic. More like nightmares. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. On the famous evening of April 14th, 1912, Violet had retired to her bunk for the night and according to her memoir was, quote, comfortably drowsy, but not quite asleep. I thought going to say comfor comfortably drunk. <laughs> <laughs> the Titanic was White Star too, right? Yeah. Yes. So they just sucked. Yes. Yeah. Wow. So she was drowsy but not asleep when the Titanic collided with the iceberg. What? <laughs> it happened. Look it up. It did? It did. How's this go? <laughs> what happens next? Violet recalls, quote, I was ordered up on deck. Calmly, passengers strolled about. I stood at the bulkhead with the other stewardesses, watching the women cling to their husbands before being put into the boats with their children. Sometime after, a ship's officer ordered us into the boat, first to show some women it was safe. As the boat was being lowered, the officer called, Here, Miss Jessup, look after this baby. And a bundle was dropped on my lap. Wow. Violet was on lifeboat number 16 for eight hours in the freezing Atlantic waters before being rescued by the Carpathia. I think that's how you say it. Carpathia. Carpathia. One of the ships that had come to the rescue of the Titanic passengers was the Olympic, um, which, which crashed is the one she had into been on. The yes. Titanic. <laughs> Oops. So it was rumored that when offered to be rescued by the Olympic, it was declined because, quote, the survivors to board a virtual mirror image of Titanic would cause them distress. Oh. So they were like, pass? Yeah. Just stay in this rowboat? What? Yeah. Wow. 
Send sure. Send boat. I don't care what it looks like. I, yes, mm-hmm. exactly. I don't care. <laughs> I would like to live. That one is still floating, so I will get on it. Yeah. Thank you. You know, though, like, that, you know that Violet was like, that one's crashed too. And she was yeah, telling everyone. Exactly. She's like crossing her fingers. Exactly. Like, ma'am, you have an icicle forming on your nostril. <laughs> well, we need to get you over to this ma'am. boat, okay? You're blue. <laughs> Violet remembers what occurred after being rescued, saying, quote, I was still clutching the baby against my hard cork life belt I was wearing when a woman leaped at me and grabbed the baby what? and rushed off with it. <gasps> it appeared that she put it down on the deck of the Titanic while she went off to fetch something. What? And when she came back, the baby had gone. I was too frozen and numb to think it strange that this woman had not stopped to say thank you. And that whole thing I just read what? is weird on so many levels. Yeah. So when she was rescued and got off onto the bigger boat, she still had the baby. Right. And this woman came up to her and just took the baby from her. Oh. But Violet was too kind of out of it from being cold that she didn't even like to make sure it was actually the mom. Right. And she didn't really even realize what happened. Yeah. But in her mind, the only thing that was really kind of weird was, wow, that woman didn't say thank you. She just kind of assumed that that was that woman's baby. And like, yeah. Wait, she oh, went but- back to the Titanic? No, no, on the oh, rescue I thought you said ship. She went back on the Titanic. So basically, what Violet, what she's saying in this, this is actually straight from her memoir, so it is kind of worded weird. Yeah, is what she kind of thinks happened is the mom put the baby down to go back to the quarters on the Titanic to fetch gotcha. something. So someone just picked up the baby and handed them to Violet to like save oh, okay. the baby. Does like, that make sense? Oh, okay. Yeah. So the baby had was just like put down on the deck, and that's how Violet ended up getting it. Someone picked God. it up and gave it to her. She sounds like a Good thing no one, like, fucking accidentally kicked it off. Right? I thought the or same like thing. Sli- even just sliding yeah. off as yeah. it's sinking. Jeez. Violet was only 25 years old when the Titanic sunk to the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. She was one of the 700 people out of 2,200 that survived, which that's an estimated number. Although Violet had witnessed and endured a great tragedy among the ship, she continued on in the field of being a stewardess. Oh, wow. Violet took a job with the Red Cross during World World War One, and was a stewardess on the ship HMS Britannic, again for White Star Lines. Girl, I know. I know. You need to go to United at this point. <laughs> and it wasn't even that; it was part of the same fleet. So, like the Titanic, the Olympic, the Britannic, were all part of the same, same fleet. So they all like looked the same. They all wow. were the same type of boat. Passengers were reassured that they had made many improvements to the Britannic and that it was a much safer ship. There is no way this thing gets crashes and sinks. The ship was to be converted to a hospital ship during the war and to help transfer injured soldiers back home to the UK. I'm just ignoring your comment right now. The Britannic was afloat in the Aegean Sea on November 21st, 1916, when an unexplained explosion occurred. Scientists don't know the exact reason for the explosion on the ship, but British authorities believe that the ship was either struck by an enemy torpedo or that they hit a mine that was planted by the Germans. As the ship began to sink, Violet remembers, quote, I leapt into the water, but was sucked under the ship's keel, which struck Ew. my head. Oh, my God. Scary. I escaped. But years later, when I went to my doctor because of a lot of headaches, hmm. he discovered I had once sustained a fracture of the skull. Oh, wow. So she literally Fractured her skull, but then just continued on with her life. Knocked out, yeah. Violet was pulled out of the water and into a lifeboat after sustaining her injuries, even though she didn't even know she was hurt. From the lifeboat, Violet remembers watching the Britannic continue to sink. From her memoir, she wrote, quote, The white pride of the ocean's medical world dipped her head a little, then a little lower and still lower. 
She recalled, all the deck machinery fell into the sea like a child's toys. Then she took a fearful plunge, her stern rearing hundreds of feet into the air until the final roar. She disappeared into the depths. Wow. It took only 57 minutes for the Britannic to sink. Oh, wow. Jeez. Killing 30 of its passengers. So many more people survived the sinking of the Britannic because there were more lifeboats available on board after what had happened to the Titanic. So they did one thing, right? They were like, maybe we should put more lifeboats on this one. Is that how they said it? Yep. (laughs) Exactly. They sent out a voice memo to everybody. Yes. Yes. The Britannic was the largest ship to go down during the First World War. Now I'm going to say his name wrong because I said it too many times earlier. (laughs) How do you say it? No. Say it. You know how to say it? No, I don't. I'm literally blanking. (laughs) Who? No, she's got to say it. I just want to call him Jackie. Jackie? <laughs> it's not Jackie. Jackie Cousteau. The ocean man. <laughs> the ocean man. Jacques. Thank you. Jacques Cousteau, the ocean man. I'm going to say that. I, I like didn't ocean write man. it. I like ocean man, actually. <laughs> Before we started recording, Courtney said, I have a Jacques in my story, a Jacques Cousteau or whatever. And... Chad and I were like, do you know who that is? She was like, yeah, the ocean man. The ocean man. That's what he is. I mean, he is. I kind of like it. So he found the remains of the Britannic um, in 1975. So Violet Jessup had survived two full ships sinking and a total of three shipwrecks. That's wild. That's crazy. You would think she would want to keep her feet on dry ground. Forever. But instead, she continued on working for large ship companies. Violet completed two around-the-world cruises and many other journeys out to sea with no large issues. She's currently a lake captain, a riverboat captain, (laughs) the Mississippi River. (laughs) The Mississippi River. She continued to get wet. Oh, Oh, no. Violet retired after working on ships for 43 years at the age of 63. Wow. Mm -hmm. Violet claims that after retirement, she received a phone call from an individual claiming to be the baby she held on to during the sinking of the Titanic. Most dismissed the phone call as a prank, but Violet believed the person because she claims she had not told anyone yeah, that story how would before. Anyone know? Wow. Yeah. Violet lived out the rest of her years in a cottage in Great Ashfield in Suffolk. She died at the age of 83 on May 5th, 1971. You can read more about her life and experiences on the ships in her memoir, Titanic Survivor. And that is the story of the unsinkable woman, Violet Jessup, the woman who survived three shipwrecks. That is wild. And I think it's fitting. Our last wild story is about a badass. Badass woman. She is a badass. You're even wearing the badass woman shirt. You are wearing the badass (laughs) woman shirt. I know. Represent. I mean, like, I'm sorry. After one, I would have been traumatized. I'm like, I'm not doing this anymore. No, never. When you started talking about the third one, I was like, there's no way. (laughs) There is a way. Especially (laughs) after the Titanic. No, that's. Imagine. No, absolutely. I would never go on a fucking boat. Unless she's thinking, like, there's no way this can happen to me three times. Yeah. And it was torpedoed. (laughs) Yeah. Like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't see that one coming. Yeah, true, true, true. Yeah, just can you imagine, like, being. On that third boat, and you just hear an explosion, and you're like, "Fuck!" Yeah, you know the again? What, was it White Star? Yeah, you know White they were like, lines. "Oh shit!" And then someone was like, "But wait, it was torpedo!" And they're like, "Oh, thank God, it wasn't, it wasn't our fault." <laughs> that was your last story. I know. Don't make me cry. <laughs> Thanks for listening this week. Head over to our website, wildsocietypodcast.com, if you want to listen to our previous episodes. <laughs> no, you can subscribe, follow Courtney's us for crying. all of our updates. 
Yes, we do want to do some <laughs> pop-up episodes in the future when we're all together, which hopefully is more often Never. than that. Never. Never. <laughs> Courtney's trying to keep it together. <laughs> we love you guys so much. Honestly, truly, this last year has been such a blast. Just the four of us besties hanging and talking about true crime and... We've met so many amazing people. We have gotten so much encouragement and loving words from y'all. And it's just been the best. We can't wait for what the future holds. And we wish you all a wild, loving life. <laughs> I'm not a pretty crier, Chad. I'm recording Courtney's, Courtney's Tears. This I'm episode is also brought to you by Courtney's Tears. <laughs> Courtney's Tears. They're soft and supple. And filled with soft vitamin C. <laughs> Uh, yeah what she said (laughs) but seriously thank you for listening bye just joking (laughs) we love all of you we love you so much and we will see you when we see you guys get to a lifeboat (laughs) love ya bye